PGA Nation. We are back. And it has been a long time. I've missed you. I've missed you all. And I can't wait to get back on the golf grind. Right before we came on, we were just kind of getting ready for Setters and Farms. We were chatting and we were saying it's like the first tournament back after a while in some aspects can be the most challenging one. But then because we have a JV tournament and it's not necessarily a full field, there's different ways to find an edge. So we're going to have some fun tonight drafting. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. We were trying to figure out the order before we came on. And as I told you guys, I am claiming victory from last week. So congratulations to me from winning last week's contest. You know, in fairness, I'm going to give it to you because you said it. And that's just your move. And that's a good move. I guess technically, though, David really won last week because yeah. <laughs> think about it. I guess the European size, I guess David should have gotten the W. David, how you doing today? I know, robbed, robbed once again, and the show hasn't even started. Um, <laughs> we did have a very, very good week at the BMW PGA Championship, um, which was the last show we ran. But, um, man, what a what a thrilling Ryder Cup. I mean, if you're following us over at Wind Daily Sports, we tipped Europe at $3.10 at, at the beginning of July. They actually opened as favourites at $1.90, and after the first session, they come in to $1.25. So you're getting plus $2.10 um, a couple of months ago with us on, on Europe, and um, it was pretty much done and dusted by the, the Friday morning, and that was in, ended up being the dif difference after the foursomes round. But um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was an awesome tournament. I think um, in the, at the end of the day, Justin Thomas actually kind of justified his place. He got hum hamstrung by um, Jordan Spieth, who was just, like, absolutely dreadful. Um, Xander Schauffele was really disappointing as well. And the, the top guys in, in Europe really stepped up. It was an awesome tournament. Really enjoyed it. It was. I think... I, I don't think, obviously, Justin Thomas didn't deserve to be there. And I, I don't think it's right that there's just like this boys club of like, hey, if you're in the group, then like you're a part of it. And because Justin Thomas was been good and he's in the in group, he gets the gun. You know what? I wouldn't have brought Spieth either. Neither one of them should have been there. There was guys who were playing better golf and the best players should be invited. And that's something that's an easy fix that some a real leader for the U.S. should step up and say, hey, it's not about being in the boys club is about just whoever's playing the best golf right now. It's just me coming with us. So um, I think I hope we get it right for next year, but you're right. It was a fun week. It was fun to watch. Um, always an exciting Ryder Cup. But moving on to Sanderson Farms, right? Let's get back onto our grind. Um, we're going, listen, it's, it's a different location, right? I mean, we're, Jackson, Mississippi, um, not a lot of tournaments out there, but we got one here. Definitely a JV field for our purposes. Spence, you got your work cut out for us today. What are you looking for on the course breakdown? I think this is a really unique venue to try and handicap from a DFS perspective. And I'll get into why that reason is in a second. But we see players hit the fairway here only 53% of the time. That kind of means to me a bomb and gouge mentality might be the way to go if you can position your first shot on the correct side of the land. I, I would lean towards that when building a model. But beyond anything else that's going to be said, the peculiar nature of the layout comes down to this being a venue that highlights really a five-hole stretch and diminishes most of the upside elsewhere. So the four par fives and the par four 15th. We look at the four par fives, a staggering 47.5% of the winning score output has been created on those four holes alone. Then we get an additional 11.5% on that aforementioned par four 15th. That measures only 330 yards. Uh, that's a total of 59% of the projected allotment of the production. It's really notable since that means that 27% of the holes are going to account for nearly 60% of the winning score. I don't think that suggests that other ranges won't still play in, as important. Uh, you have five holes that have a 20% bogey or worse rate. I don't mind taking a deeper dive in the par four scoring from 450 plus yards to account for that. Uh, we do get a little bit of a boost here from zero to 150 yards in proximity if you want to look at a condensed proximity range, but essentially for me it's just you know find the par threes the lengthier par fours try to avoid your mistakes there and then attack the more gettable locations there you have it um simplified to an extent but definitely something you want to use when breaking down who you want to play this week and building out your player pool because of the nature of the player pool and it being a jv field 
I do find it relatively easier than most weeks to kind of narrow down my core of who I want to play, the guys I want to rotate into, into the mix. So we'll get into it with the draft now. Spencer, I'm going to pull up the draft board. We made the order for tonight. Spencer, me, David, only two be going last. So as a quick refresher, if you're new to the draft cast, this works like your typical fantasy football snake draft. It goes one through four, audience, you'll go two in a row, and then we'll go backward. You do need to stay within a DraftKings salary. So what that means is you can't just go out there and pick all the best players at the highest price. You need to draft a team accordingly to make sure you can actually afford your roster. Without further ado, Spence, you are on the clock. Well, I was obviously going to take Webb until he pulled out of the tournament, so this forced my hand to go in a different direction here. Um you know, I noticed something with one player and, and I'll dive into it a little bit more of why I'm so strong with this answer, but there were some similar outlooks that kind of resembled what I saw from Sahit the Gallo at the Fortinet when I backed him. Uh, the portions of the game that are going to need help are obviously going to be different, but I really like Steven Yeager this week. I, I think this comes down to what does his putter do? And we have seen these random outbursts of life from him recently with that fashion of his game. Obviously, Thagala's difference was going to be the weighted proximity that came into play. We had seen that surge from him recently with the results, but also with the iron play uh, leading into that victory. Uh, Jaeger's not going to have that problem. He's gained off the tee in 10 of his past 12 with the irons in 7 of 8. I just think the fact that he's earned strokes in 6 of his last 9 tournaments is such a stark contrast with the putter from what we got from him during that 10 straight event stretch from the beginning to middle of 2023 when he lost strokes. You know, you add that to the mix here to where there is a 25 spot improvement on my model on this specific fast Bermuda surface with the putter. I think this is a really nice spot for him. Like maybe there's been that lack of upside and the lack of win equity since none of those results other than one of this like 14 consecutive made cut streak that he has has landed inside the top 10. But I think this is a nice course fit for him. The ball striking's there and the putter has enough upside for me inside my model that I would not be shocked if this is where he finally gets himself into the winner's circle. I, I mean, I like it. I totally get your point where it's like, it feels like this is a tournament, the type of tournament he would break through at where, you know, he's not going up against your Roms and Rory's and, you know, it, it's a spot for him to really show up when he has one of those weeks where, like you said, that, that putter goes nuclear. Um, that would certainly make sense. Um, how about you, David? Do you, are you on Jaeger at all this week? Yeah, I like, like Jaeger a lot. Um, I think he justifies that first first spot, um, especially considering we really don't... We've got a lot of question marks with Liver Gayberg, right? Like, he's just travelled across from Rome. They've obviously had a pretty famous victory over in Europe. They would have celebrated it pretty hard. There's lots of footage of them um, up to all sorts of antics over the, the 24 to 48 hours following the Ryder Cup. And so that, that immediately raises question marks of what sort of state is he in? Is he going to be jet-lagged that first round or is he going to be ready to go? It's really difficult to tell. And so I think... From from a safety standpoint, if you're spinning up at that top end of the salary, I think Jager is the, the way that I would go as well. There you have it. Um, so I'm up here, and from a strategic standpoint, one of the things I was like, listen, in terms of talent, like Abraham makes a ton, a ton of sense, someone I'm considering I want to play. But just thinking through this field and to the points that David made, the guys in the 9K, 8K range are closer to Yeberg than the normal week where you get a Rom or Rory up there and the guys in the 8 and 9K range. So I think balance makes sense just for the reason that I'd rather just get a full team of guys in that 7 to 9K range that I can build that will probably be closer to the top than they would be in a normal week. So that's how I'm thinking about it. And with my first pick, I'm going to take a guy who you've heard me mention as a first-round leader probably almost every week. I love him as a lower-salaried guy. I think this is a week for where he's playing well recently and – he could step up and have a big week, and that's Callum Tarrant. Um, you know, I think as a course fit, you know, he, he hits it far. Um, the big question mark, similarly to Jaeger, is can he find a hot putter? I think if he does this week, he's got the ball striking and everything else to really compete. So at 7,500, I think there's plenty of value on him here this week. How about you, Spencer? You want Callum at all? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get there. There were some concerns I had with the upside metrics there. I mean, obviously, when we're down into the $7,000 range and – I think with all those players, and it's kind of to your point, Joel, that you're bringing up, like there's a lot of those guys that there's really not that big of a difference between them and some of these names that do get up into the $9,000 range. I don't think personally he's the one that I'm going to play from that mix, but uh, there are a handful of players there that I could make that same argument about, you know, whether you, Joel, or anybody else is on it. I, I think that that's a really intriguing range to try to find value from this week. 
There you have it, David. You're up, but Leslie, are you looking at Taron all this week, and, and who are you going with? Yeah, I mean, Taron Taron makes a lot of sense, right? He played really well at the Fortinet. Um, just I guess bear in mind with that, that was putting on bow, on power, and we're back to Bermuda grass here as well. So just whether we can adapt to the new putting surface would be the question. But I mean, last last time out here, he was thirteenth and gained putting, and um, what was promising from that was a lot of the approach play was was very good from him last time he was here. I think he was in probably slightly better form, um, coming off a better season last season. But um, yeah, I think there's upside there, and I don't mind him in seven k. But you guys have let slip to me um my favorite value on the board in Bo Hosler who I think is in excellent form he had one chonky week at the Wyndham Championship but other than that he's um, been consistently finishing in the top 30 or better multiple top 20s recently and um in terms of the, the recipe for success here for me it's driving distance plays a really key part and then putting as well and Bo Hosler ticks both of those boxes um, I would have loved if, like, say, a Joseph Bramlett or Patrick Rogers was in that field. Um, unfortunately, for some reason, they've decided not to play. But um, Bo Hosler, for me, ticks a lot of those boxes um, in some similar kind of metrics. Bo Hosler. Certainly seen him pop a few times in the 2022-2023 season. Certainly seems like a good field for him. What's say you, Spence? Are you on Hosler at all? I mean, this would kind of back David's point here. Uh, he has been one of the most steamed golfers I've seen in the market. Uh, massive favorite in pretty much any of the matchups that he's in. That outright number steadily has come down. There's there's movement in the correct way there. So I, I cl- definitely understand that. He's good on easy courses. He has a nice safety rating in my model. Uh, I don't have a problem with anybody who wants to get there. I don't know if I'm personally going to myself, but there's a lot of reasons for why David stated and what the market is doing around him. That's uh, very intriguing. Well, there you have it. Audience, you are on the clock. As you know, it takes two nominations to get your pick in. You have a few nominations out there. None have been doubled yet. So we're looking at you, Zach, Ed, Avon. You need one more to be doubled for your pick to go in. And then, well, technically you need two because you got two back-to-back picks here. So um, with your first pick, it's a big pick. And it looks like the first one is in in Grio, which I like a lot. I like the Grio pick from the standpoint of, in terms of a golfer profile, he can be arguing can be made he's the best golfer in this field, especially the way he's played in, in the last season. Whether he's a course fit, you know, maybe uh, neutral for me. I don't think it's like the perfect course for him, but I don't think it's you know necessarily against him. What say you, Spence? Yeah, I think you kind of said it best, Joel. I think when I look at it from a safety rating, and this would be not necessarily looking. And he, by the way, I mean he has four top forty finishes at this venue, so obviously he's done something right at this course. But uh, the safety rating of that shows well. I think the upside number is a little bit lower, but. Uh, any of those guys kind of in that $10,000 plus range, you're kind of splitting hairs to me between them. So, um, I mean, obviously I went with Jaeger as my choice, but you are going to get ownership discount on Grio and, uh, you're going to get at least in my model, a top five play there. I love it. I love it. And then the second pick is also in, um, and it's going to be Sam Stevens. Uh, I'll let you take this one, David. What are your thoughts on Stevens for this week? Yeah, I really like Stevens this week. I think he's got the upside. Um, driving distance, obviously, big tick. We know he can get really hot with the putter as well. He was very, very close to making my card this week, so I definitely like that play. Boom, good pick. Audience, off to a strong start. Is the audience going to come out hot this year and, and come out with the, with the win on the first draft class? To be determined, to be determined. But, David, you're up next with your second pick. Who are you looking at here? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around that nine k range. I think, as you said correctly, Joel, there's there's not that much of a gap between like the the ten k nine k golfers this week. And um, for me, I'm it gets really difficult, right, when you're in these first tournaments back and you've got kind of this three week period. And I just like to go back to like what's that player's base level talent. And for me, Lucas Herbert has really got the ability to come out and win some more PGA Tour events. He ticks that box, long driving distance, a really excellent putter. That's going to be very key to his success. And he's found success in this course before. Um, I think that he's a he's a player who's got a lot of upside. So really like um, his chances this week. There you have it. Lucas Herbert. I feel like you love Lucas Herbert. You play him 
This is definitely not the first time you've drafted him. You've been on him a few times. Uh, and I think you get him right usually. You usually hit him on the weeks that he does well. So um, you seem to be the Lucas Herbert whisperer. Spencer, are you playing Herbert all this week? Uh, probably not, but I will say the Hostler-Herbert duo there are very similar commodities of that distance putting acumen that you're looking for. So um, if you like one and you want to play one, you probably should play the other. So it definitely makes sense with the build that David has going on right now. Boom. There you have it. Um, I will say, I'm just going to put this out there in the Driftcast universe. Leading the show right now with Siagon and trying to draft my own team is incredibly challenging because I'm usually picking my picks while C is running the show. And right now I'm trying to do both and I'm not, I'm falling behind on my picks. So have I you noticed both. Joel? I, I no, nobody's chiming in between David and I to help lead this show. We're just going to let you try to drown on it. And it's, I agree. It's very difficult trying to multitask when you're, when you're running a show and you know, it's not just basically ask a question and then try to find your team as C is being able to filibuster in there and move us across with it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to take any advantage I can right now. That's fair. That's fair. I would do the same in fairness. So I'll be honest with you. I would like absolutely take advantage of that situation. Um, but I landed on my pick for right now and I'm pretty pleased with it. I'm happy with, with where I'm going. I'm going to take Sam Ryder. Here's another guy that in this field, I think he's getting a little bit overlooked from a talent perspective. I think Sam Ryder compared to these other guys could have been priced in the 9.5 range and no one would have bet. And he's playing well. You know, he, we know he can find a hot potter, the putter. The ball striking has been good. Um, he's even been pretty good off the tee. If he can continue some of that form and success here, I think he can go as far as winning this tournament. So Sam Ryder, 8,500, I think is a really good value. I'm going to stick with him here. How about you, uh, David? Are you playing Ryder at all this week? My, my concern with Ryder would be cut, would be down to the fact he hasn't really got the driving distance. Most of that off the tee game comes from his driving accuracy. In saying that, that's it's not the be-all and end-all of this course, right? Like we've seen Ryan Armour, for example, win here, and Nick Taylor win here, who are not the longest drivers, and in fact, they play more of that driving accuracy game. So in terms of the way that I'm building this week, if I'm kind of telling that narrative of I'm wanting driving distance and putting, I'm not sure that he would really make my like cash game squad, but I think certainly in the wider GPP that he has got the upside if he can find the week it's just his path to victory is literally more narrow because he is going to have to find all those fairways um in order to find success this week makes sense totally totally makes sense all right spence you got two here on the wheel who are you looking at i wasn't necessarily planning to go this route and this is the, i mean i i don't have ownership right now that i trust there's a couple sites that i normally pull from that have been slow to enter the market so I'm essentially pulling from two, running an aggregated total from that. I'll add the other three that are actually the ones I trust a little bit more. Uh, I might have the most popular build in the history of the show right now with these next two picks I'm going to make, or at least the most popular build that I've ever put together from the numbers I'm seeing. I am going to take Dylan Wu. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting profile for him. There was a lot of resemblances to that Thagala where the recent history looks good. Uh, what he has done... Uh, like in multiple facets of his game, but number one putter over the last 24 rounds, second in my model and expected weighted scoring. Uh, the two top 14 finishes that I was talking about that kind of sort of resemble what we saw with the Gala entering the mix here. I, I know the course history isn't necessarily what you would want for a golfer that does have a lot of ownership around him, but uh, 12 consecutive rounds of shooting par or better. Uh, that's one of the best marks in the tournament right now. So I'm going to take Dylan Wu with the first pick. And then I am going to jump back up to the top again and maybe take what looks to be, at least for me right now, uh, the most popular player on the board, and that's Eric Cole at 10,300. Maybe Ludwig is the spot to try to get unique and different. I consider doing that. I worry a little bit about this spot for him coming over from Europe. So I'll go with Eric Cole. Um, not really worried about the missed cut that he presented here uh, last season. Steady golfer, plays almost every single week. Short game's immaculate. The approach play looks good. I know that the off-the-tee stuff is always the question mark with him, but uh, anytime you look at the weighted scoring with him, whether it be you know sixth in all the par fours that I'm looking at, he's inside the top 25 for uh, pretty much every single iteration of the par three, four, and five holes that I'm running. So I'll, I'll take Eric Cole here. 
I mean, I, I really like the Cole pick. Um, you know, we saw Cole really come into a great season. I, I think he has a ton of upside. I mean, he, he competed in some of those full fields this year. I think he certainly deserves to be that price and one of the highest price guys in this field. Um, and if you're playing, you know, a build like Spencer is, where it's more a starves and scrubs type of approach and being different, that's certainly one of the ways I would go. What say you, David? Are you on Cole or Wu? I mean, of those two, I probably prefer Dylan Wu as the pick. I think Eric Cole, I, I, Eric Cole undoubtedly has tons of ability. Like, I'm, I totally rate the player, but off the tee is the worry for me, as Spencer kind of alluded to. And I think if I'm playing up 10,300, I mean, Spencer drafted Steven Jager anyway, but I'd rather spend the extra $100 and get Jager over, over yeah. Cole anyway. Makes, makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Moving on, I am up here. I am scrimming. I'm down between two guys, and I'm going to go ahead and commit here to Adam Svensson. Um, and, you know, in a perfect world for me, there's this like sweet spot, like I said before, of these like high 7, 8K range. Svensson's at the 9 flat. The way he's been playing, I like Svensson pretty much as good as much as anyone in this field. I think you could have put him at 10 flat, and I wouldn't have bet in an eye. So I think you're getting a good value here. Um, and Svensson's the guy that's that's really doing everything pretty well right now. So you're going to get the ball striking. His recent results, I mean, I know they're not as recent, but still, I mean, it's all top 40s in his last top five outings within the top 40. He's got a top 10 at the Wyndham, which was just in August. Um, he's got 15th at the BMW. The putter has been there. The ball striking has been consistent. It's just a lot to like about his game. So the thing's in a really solid spot here for this week. How about you, uh, Spence? Are you on Svensson? My model really liked him, and and it kind of goes to the point, I guess, that you were talking about. Um, inside the top eight for me, pretty much any way that I ran it, that I mean, technically he's the tenth price player right now, but some of the upside totals for him uh, were intriguing once I got past the course fit here, and I don't think that this is necessary or the course history, I should say, maybe not the course fit, but I don't think this is necessarily the most indicative course with rollover predictability. Uh, if you look at it over at Data Golf, it's near the bottom of all venues on tour. So I don't overly worry about the 54th miscut, miscut 39th in the last four tries that he's put together. Ownership is something to keep in mind here, but we saw him, and maybe this isn't as noteworthy now that there's been multiple weeks taken off, but we saw him close the year strong at the BMW and the Wyndham with back to two out of three inside the top 15 there. So I definitely think he's somebody to consider. There you have it. I love it. All right, David, you are back on the clock with your third pick here. Good start so far. Who are you looking at? Yeah, so so again, just for me, going back to some of the baseline talent of these golfers and where I sort of expect them to, to be coming into the next season, I think Alex Noren's really underpriced this week, 7,800. I mean, data golf at the moment, rank him 66 in the world, which is actually one of the highest rankings in this field. And I know Spencer's going to be really disappointed about this pick, but um, for me, this is a really talented golfer with an excellent short game. There's, he drives it long enough. He can um, dial back in terms of the accuracy as well. And last last time out, we saw him at the Ford net. He lost a ton of strokes putting, but bear in mind, that's power and we're coming back to a Bermuda, uh, into a Bermuda surface here where he's um, putted a lot more successfully. I also like he's got a third and a fifth at the Honda Classic and I think that's a pretty good comp course if you're looking at PGA National um, translating to some form here. So for me, he's a really obvious value at 7,800. Yeah, I like that. Big. It does feel like this is the type of tournament where like Noren kind of rises up and has one of those shows, those typical Aaron. Because you know every year – Alex Norman's going to have like those four top 10 somewhere sprinkled out throughout those the season. And this feels like this is a spot where he shows up. So um, I can definitely get behind that audience. You are on the clock. So while we're still talking about this pick, be sure to get your nominations in. You have two picks. So we're going to need nominations and we're going to need doubles. Uh, make sure, obviously, to stay within salary you have an 8K average left. Get that going. While you guys get your picks in, we'll go to Spence. Spence, are you playing Norn at all this week? I think I'm always playing Noren. I, I felt some relief that David did it because like all jokes aside in the chat, I was obviously going to take Alex Noren at some point. That would have probably been one of my next two picks. Uh, you know, the recent form has been so shaky with him that nobody wants to go back down that well. But I, anytime you give him one of these fast Bermuda surfaces and 
even I talked about this funny enough with uh, David when we hung together at the Shriners a year ago. From a modeling perspective, Norn actually grades really well on these easier scoring courses. I know that's against the grain of what everybody thinks of these grinded out affairs, but like he's inside the top 10 of my model almost any single time you throw him on fast Bermuda. I just think he's too cheap at 7,800 because of some of those results. And that makes sense. And and I, I, I agree. I think um, stature, status play, um, Norn is, is definitely the guy. Looks like the first pick is definitely in for the audience in EVR. Surprise for me. How about you, David? Did you see EVR going here? Uh, no surprise for me. I was I was tossing up between Noren and EVR for um, for my pick and trying to predict who the audience might go with. And looking at what average salary they had remaining, I thought that it might have been Noren over over EVR, but he was going to be my next pick. So, yeah, congrats, audience. You've like ruined my team um, for the rest of this draft. There you have it. I love it. Um, Zach, with another nomination in there, one that was on my radar, so I like that pick. And that has been doubled, so I probably should have kept my mouth shut. But the second pick is in in Peter Quest, who, listen, he doesn't have the longest track record necessarily, but we've seen him play well. And I, I think he's a sneaky play. Um, Spence, are you on Quest at all? I am. So once Norrin was gone, Quest was the next route I was going to go. So, yeah, I, I like the pick. There you have it. So I find it interesting. I think all of us were kind of eyeing a similar range, similar guys, which – you know, to your point earlier, Spence, I don't think there's great ownership information out there right now. So stay tuned. Get into Win Daily this week. Look at Steven's article that comes out Wednesday night. That is typically the most accurate ownership I've seen. That will definitely help. Um, but not knowing, I think us being circling the same range of guys is telling of who people will generally like um, at a high level. But that's a pick that I like. I like the way the audience team is coming together thus far david with your first pick you're back on the clock yeah and i mean the audience as i said has stolen evr from me so what i'm going to do now is i'm just going to go down the board grab some of the value and then i can have a bit of a think about where i want to take this lineup from here so um i'll take zesheng dao at um lowly 6900 for me he possesses a ton of upside still really young 26 years old Hasn't been in the best of form, but that's mainly come with the putter, and I think that he benefits from a return to a Bermuda surface here. Um, the approach play has come around a lot, though, over the last three months, and I think that's really notable for me. Possesses tons of driving distance, and um, obviously he's only played here once. He made the cut back in 2023, so um, for a rookie season, that was fine for me, and I um, I think he's decent value at 6,900 to at least get a cut made and has some upside, too. Oh, I love it. Um, Spence was is Dow in your player pool this week? Yeah, I think he's a savvy pick. Um, obviously, I mean he's going to have to make some putts, but if that's his one real weakness that I'm looking here, I see an increase in my model and weight of proximity over some of the baseline numbers that I was anticipating. So, I mean, at least if you threw him on a generic course, so I think this is a nice course setup for him. Uh, Game looks like he's better than a $6,900 golfer in a lot of ways when you take into account that upside. So I have no problems with him. There you have it. All right, here. I am going to move in, and I'm going to take an upside pick. I think this is a guy that, that can go out and win the tournament this week. We've seen the ball striking be there. I'm hoping that because his last showing wasn't great, people are off of him. And that's Alex Smalley. I mean, we saw Smalley go on a run of ball striking that – was very elite. Um, I, I think he can find that again this week in this field, make some putts and really compete. I mean, he, he kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, shit the bed at the FedEx in Jude. But before that, he, he was on a, I mean, maybe a, you could say, you know, he had two missed cuts before that, but the ball striking was still very good at the Wyndham. You had been making some putts before that. I knew the time off, find that putter, come back and strike it well, could be a good recipe for him this week. Uh, what say you, Spencer? Are you on Smalley at all? Uh, I think that all the points that you made are very reasonable. They're inside the top 10 of my model when I shot this for upside. Only small concern I had, and it's the one thing that I always go to, and and maybe it's not as much of a concern now because he has shown a difference from it recently, would have been the upside that or the lack of upside that he possesses on the par five scoring. But 
think you can give that answer about a lot of guys into that, you know, lower be below $9,000 range. So uh, I think Smalley is perfectly fine at 8,900. Oh, there you have it. Spence, you got two here. You're back to back. Um, you got 7,200 average left. Who are you looking at? I'll keep this simple. I'll just go with the teammates that won a tournament here a little bit ago. I'll say Davis Riley at 7,800 and Nick Hardy at 7,400. I think it's a nice course fit for both of them. There you have it. I think those are, I agree. And I think those are two really good value calls there. Guys who certainly have upside to compete in a tournament like this, getting them under 8K. I like the price. I like both picks there. David, what say you are? Are you playing Riley or Hardy this week? Yeah, it just, it's interesting to note that Davis Riley has called this his fifth major. It's basically a home game for him. Um, winter school just up the road. And so it, it means a lot, right? So I'm not. I'm not too perturbed about the fact he gave the four net in this. I think that if he had wanted to play that, he would have. And it's also interesting, right? Like he's secured his status um, with the victory of the Zurich Classic. So it's it's interesting now with this new layout of the FedEx Cup and the structure that the PGA Tour is kind of moving with where, you know, if you're in the top 50, you can't improve your ranking until January, right? So these guys have a lot less pressure on them than some of those guys who are trying to save their PGA Tour card or, you know, when it comes down to, like, are they going to make the cut or not, they might play a bit conservative just to make sure that they're there for the weekend and then try and push forward, whereas Riley's, like, here to win, and that's kind of it. He's been a first-round leader here as well, so I have that. Yep, there you have it. Um, All right, I'm back on the clock here, and I am stalling as I make this other decision, and I've come to it, and I'm going to take Gary Kigo. Um, this is a guy I think he has plenty of upside. You know, if you are someone targeting guys who have that power off the tee, he will check that box. The other thing that intrigues me most about Higo is that he seems to have recently found a very strong putter. And if he's going to putt well, you know, I think it's a mixed bag with him in terms of ball checking. We've seen him have good ball checking weeks, we've seen him be terrible. Um, I think if he finds a week where he's, you know, hits it really well, gets one of those hot days and that putter continues to roll, he does have the upside to go ahead and win the tournament. So um, I like Higo this week. He's probably someone I would save more for GPPs than cash, but I do think for a GPP tournament play, he has upside. Um, What about you, David? Are you playing Higo at all this week? Yeah, I really like Higo this week. Again, like he, he, Burst on the scene right, with those those initial wins when it just like seemed like he was winning. Well, he was winning every single week, and he kind of went off the boil a little bit since. But he's still really young. He's like twenty four years old. So the guy's obviously showing an ability that when he gets really hot, he can go out and actually get across the line and get a victory for you. So I really like the upside that comes there, and I think that he's um, a really talented golfer who um, has um, a lot of potential there. There you have it. I love it. All right, David, with your fifth pick. 8,200 average pick remaining, average salary remaining. Who are you looking at here? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and I'll take um, SH Kim at 9,400. Um, for me, he's uh, an uber-talented golfer, plenty of distance. We've just seen what he done at the um, at the Fortinet and um, really pushing Tagala right there at the end when he came in second. And he's got a good record here as well. He's 13th um, last year, I believe. So, um, obviously displayed a bit of upside last time out, but takes that recipe for me of really strong putting, good around the green, and plenty of driving distance, and um, that's a pretty good recipe for success. I do think he attracts a lot of ownership would be my concern, but just in the spot where I'm I'm in, where um, EVR's been taken off the board, kind of have to go a different route here, and I'll take SH Kim for that. All right. I want to, I want to grab Spencer's opinion on HS Kim, but before I pass to Spencer, I want to remind the audience that you are on the clock your, your final two picks, get your nominations in to round out your squad. You have 8,700 average salary left, so you have some money to spend. Keep that in mind when making your final nominations here. But now, Spence, is Kim in your player pool for this week? I don't know if he will be. Now, I've given this answer about almost every single pick that David's made so far, but there's a book I respect out there. I'll leave it nameless right now. He is the fifth favorite from where he has moved at this particular shop. Um, It's obviously a very substantial move down from the 30 to one numbers. Like, so it's moving in the correct direction. Makes sense. That makes sense. You gotta pay up for him. Like, I think your initial reaction with Kim might be, Ooh, that seems pricey, but in this field, that's the right price. I mean, with Wooey's playing, um, 
you know, we we usually like him as a sneaky value play, but this way he, he's not going to be sneaky. He's going to be one of the guys you pay up for. Um, audience, get it together. I don't see one nomination from you guys. You got two great picks coming up. Audience, I'm di- I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in your effort thus far in getting your final two picks, and mainly because I like to start to your draft. I think your first four picks have been pretty solid, and I want to see you guys finish strong and close this out. So we're gonna have to take this as your first pick due to the slowness and speed, and that's gonna be Davis Thompson. Um, David, what do you think of the Davis Thompson pick here? Yeah, again, uber talented young golfer, right? Like he's he's got plenty of ability. Um, you know, he's only twenty four, so we're still developing into to what we see him at. And um, he's been on a really good run. I mean, he missed the cut of the three M Open, but other than that, he's had um, he's finished thirty first, thirtieth, twenty fourth, and twenty second, and um, he's played here twice and not missed the cut. So I think he's definitely got upside, and we're starting to see some improvement on approach. The the thing with Thompson that I like as well is that he's kind of like a Hayden Buckley in terms of he's got that driving distance, but he's also not compromising the accuracy for it as well. Like, he's long and straight, and I think that's always a really strong combination, especially on a course like this. And if you can find the putter, he's got every opportunity to shoot up the leaderboard. I like it. I like the pick. Before I pass it to Spencer, uh, Audie, do you need one more? I haven't even gotten a nomination. Um, with the price you have left, it does look like there's probably two guys you should be zoning in on, and that is Mark Hubbard and Doug Gibb. Those would be the two guys I would be looking at at this point. Um, I can make that your nomination. Somebody second one so we can get your last pick in. Before we do so, Spence, Davis Thompson, is he in your player pool this week? He is going to be in, you know, I talked at the beginning of this show about how the short par four and the four par fives were going to be the five locations where you needed to score to find success here. So in my model on that short par four, he grades as the ninth projected player in scoring there. Number one player for me in par five birdie or better percentage in this field. So he's hitting both of those two marks. I've always thought that you throw them on these easier courses it removes some of the volatility. You can see that just with the returns that we've gotten from him historically. I think he has legitimate win equity at this tournament. I do not have an outright bet on him. I couldn't quite get there, but uh, I would not be shocked if this ends up becoming the coming out party for him and he ends up winning this. I love it. I love that take. There you have it. The final pick is in. It's Tom Hove. Neither of the two that I suggested is your final pick. I love it. Don't listen to me. Go get your guy. And Tobo looks a good pick in this field. So I like the pick. Um, what say you, Spence? I also like the pick. So it kind of goes back to what we'll, we'll talk about. This is, in a lot of ways, also a second shot course. Number one player in my model in weight of proximity here. Number one player in my model in strokes gain total at easy scoring courses. Feels like a nice setup for him. There you have audience. I like the team you drafted. I think that's a good-looking roster. I like the strategy when I'm taking it. Good job. We'll check back next week and see how it does, but I like the way you, you built that roster. David, you got one pick left, 7,100 remaining. Who are you looking at to finish out this squad? Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm really disappointed that the audience finally got their pick in because I was going to na- nominate um, Jim Herman for them um, to finish out their lineup. So, unfortunately, they did, did, did complete their squad because I think um, Jim Herman would have made a nice addition to the audience team there. But um, for me, I'm going to take, like, a somewhat surprising pick. I don't know if a lot of people are going to be on him this week, but uh, I actually really like Vince Whaley um, here. I know that a lot of people are going to be avoiding him at, like, 7,100, but, like, the 6K range is, like, so barren in this tournament like it's it's really it's pretty dark once you get into six k's and um at the low se- lowly sevens you've got a guy who's played this tournament four times he's never missed a cut he's never done anything really with it but he's made the cut at least and he's found a little bit of form like 25th at the fortnight and then over on the um the corn fury he was um sixth the start before that as well so you've got a guy who's you know had two decent finishes recently and he's returning to a course where he's um he's played well enough to have made the weekend on all four appearances and he's still that that um recipe that i'm looking for which is driving driving distance putting and around the green so 
Um, the other thing I'd add as well is like I always like on Data Golf when they're giving them a rating a lot higher than their world ranking. That's always a spot for me where there's going to be some correction in terms of their official world golf ranking at some point. And Data Golf at the moment, like in the world, rank him 221st, and on the world golf ranking, he's 365th. So there's a big discrepancy there, and um, can expect at some point that that's going to correct, hopefully, in a big way. There you have it. I like it. I like it a lot. Good-looking roster you've put together there, David. To finish out my squad, I am going to go ahead and take Luke List as my final play. You know, for the, all the reasons we've mentioned in terms of driving distance, current form, this should be a spot that, that Luke List can compete. It should be a good fit for him. Um, and because he's been playing well, I mean, you, we've seen Luke List go on spurts where – he can't make a putt like to save his life. He's just atrocious. He's falling apart. And then we see him go on spurs where he plays good golf. And, you know, it's been a few months, a few weeks at least since he's played. But over the summer, he's been playing good golf. And if we get that version of Lucas coming out here in this watered-down field, um, I think there's a lot of upside here for Lucas. So rounds up my, my team nicely. And I used all my salary, which doesn't bother me at all. All right, Spence, with the last pick of the draft, you're up. You got 6,500 to round it out. Who are you looking at here? I agree that it's mostly bearing down in this $6,000 range. Um, I'm going to go with a selection here that I don't think I've really ever backed him before. Like, I am always anti this guy. Um, I was talking on an Action Network show, and I, I legitimately think I've maybe lost more money on this player because I've taken him on in so many head-to-head matchups during the match play contest. I'm going to take Kevin Kisner at 6,500. I understand that, I mean, nothing has been working for him recently. He's had some time off. I don't really know where he is with his game, but beyond that, because that wouldn't be my only reason I'm going to go there is like hoping that he can catch lightning in the bottle after not producing for a long time with everything being wrong. There's an upside in my model from zero to 150 yards that I see from him. He's historically ranked as a top 10 caliber option on a Donald Ross course. Obviously that long-term data is only going to go so far if he's having problems with all of his game right now. But I think there's something to be said about him grading 10th for me in expected strokes gain total specifically for this venue. I only ran that data over the last 10 months. So that's even delivering all of the bad form that we've seen into the mix. I obviously needed some sort of a differentiating quality here where Jaeger is popular. Wu is popular. Cole is popular. Hardy and Riley look to be pretty popular. So if I can get that sub 1% guy with Kevin Kisner, that's enough for me to differentiate this lineup to where I at least can take a shot there. Obviously he has the potential to come in dead last place. I understand that as I'm going this route, but um, in a range where I don't think there's a ton of upside to talk between or to pick between, I'll pick the one guy that I think can actually pop and it's one of the reasons why I did bet him at plus 650 to come in the top 30. But that was an interesting number just to consider if you think he can make a cut and maybe work up the leaderboard. Uh, it was a, a number for me that was a value grab. I mean, I think it's an, it's an intriguing pick. I think it's really interesting. You know, obviously there's a lot of concern there and it's definitely not a safe pick. But I do agree. I mean, for 6,500, the profile of a golfer he is, this isn't a guy that's like, you know, in his 50s. I mean, he, it's been a year since he's been playing really good golf, but you know, at the end of last season, he was, he was pretty good. So it wasn't, it hasn't been that long. I think to your point, give him some time to find some form. Maybe he comes back when we see a better version of Kisner and at 6,500, that could be a steal. So I'm intrigued. I, I like the thought process there. That's a wrap for this draft. Um, I like the audience's team here, but I think we all drafted pretty good teams. We'll drop the lineups on Twitter. Drop in. Let us know which team you think is going to win. While you're there, hit the like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. But we're not done yet. Before we wrap up tonight, we will give you our first-round leader plays. Uh, and then check back in to get the ownership article from Steven, get the weather updates and any updated plays that we may get based on tea time and weather in Discord tomorrow night before they tee off on Thursday. For now, we'll start in the first-round leader market. David, we'll start with you. Who are you looking at for your first-round leader plays? Yeah, but before I jump into that, I, one thing I just want to ask is, with that Kisner 
Kisner play. What do you guys think of Wesley Bryan, who's kind of right there? I think that he's got some potential upside. I think he's a little bit sneaky. If you have to, if you have to dive into like the sixty four hundred range, like Spence did, um, I think that he's worth a look. But um, be interested in your guys' thoughts before we get into the first round leader. You'll laugh at my thought. I used to really like Wesley Bryan. Like it was one of those sneaky low price guys I want to play. And then I got to a point where it's like his driver was so atrocious that it was like. It was just unplayable. It was just, he couldn't hit the ball in play. He just it was just so bad. He lose so many strokes with his driver that I've given up on him. But historically, I, I have really liked him as the low salary guy to take a flyer on. So if he can find his figure his driver out, I think he can be a good golfer. It just he's got to figure that driver out. What about you, Spence? Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't taking Kisner there and I was trying to figure out who I wanted to take outside of that, maybe Ryan Armour, maybe Wesley Bryan, like that would be to me, probably the extent of where I'm cutting it off. So I, he's to me a value at 6,500. Obviously there's going to be the same volatility that I talked about with Kisner. Um, but if you kind of are aware of that and you know that he has some sort of a history on tour where he has produced before, I mean, it's better than a lot of these guys down in this range where I, I don't think they even, most of these players don't even have much made cut equity, let alone the upside potential that a Wesley Bryan could bring into the mix if, he can just be, you know, neutral off the tee and maybe the wide open nature here helps him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. In saying that, I, I will say just before I get into them is that Kevin Kisner is a pretty awesome record at the Wyndham Championship, which is another Donald Ross design. So it's not that I hate the Kevin Kisner play. I think that the guy's uber talented and probably needed a rest given the way that the rest of his season's gone. He may come, come back and be fired up. And um, so I don't don't mind the play at all. But um, enough stalling from me. I'll get into to my first round leaders. So um, I've got five this week, but all 50 to one or higher so i've got alex morley at 55 to one davis thompson at 55 to one hayden buckley at 60 to one probably my favorite is nick hardy at 70 to one i think that's extreme value um that just seems way too long for me and then um i'll finish off with a long shot triple figure odds on session do at 110 to one we know that he can go out and shoot a nine under he's done it multiple times before plenty of distance and a very good putter as well so don't mind the triple figure odds on him to be first round leader you know, I I wasn't on before, but I like the doe call. Give me the trigger fit, triple figure, to your point. If there's a time to take a triple figure type play, this is it, right? This is the field is as neutralized in terms of talent being close together as it will get. So take a shot on a guy that came here where, you know, like to your point, we've seen him have those nine under days um, and explode. You don't need to be one. You can blow up day two. You'll still win your bet. So I love it. I'm behind it. How about you, Spence? Who are you looking at for first round leaders? Well, I might be in mid-season form with the picks that I'm making for this contest. I am definitely in early season form of being prepared for this section right here. I very quickly ran a model for this. Uh, the two values for me are the two best values are actually two guys that David just talked about. You can find a higher price on each one of them over on Bet Rivers if you have access to there. Those would be those Unibet books. But Davis Thompson... 66 to one and then nick hardy at 80 to one i think both of those numbers are intriguing there you have it i like it i like it i have four plays for us today um i'm going to start with alex norin at 65 to one um i'm going to move on up here i'm a lot of the guys that i drafted i also like here in garrick higo at 50 to one sam Ryder at 60 to one and of course my probably my favorite and most picked First round leader play, Callum Tarrin at sixty to one. Um, I think first round leader for me is the, is the bet. I'm going to have fun with this week to the point we made before. The talent's going to be as close together as it more close together than it normally would be in most tournaments. So when you can find some of those longer odds for some of these guys, um, I think that value makes the most sense. So that's a wrap for us tonight. Look at the draft cast. Get your player pool narrowed down. Follow us on Twitter. Hit the like button. Check back at the end of the tournament. We have to crown a winner. There will be a winner. It could be the audience. It'll likely be me. Either way, we'll have fun. We'll see you guys um, next week for the next tournament. Is there anything that I might be forgetting? One thing. Very quickly before we wrap up this show, I don't know if Sia was kidding or not when he was in chat. I know Sia said Chad Ramey for first round leaders. So 
honorary mention for Chad Ramey, first round leader, but uh, I don't know anything else we're missing. That that was also what I was going to say is I, I'm pretty sure that Sia was joking when he said Chad Ramey, but you never know with Sia. He pulls out these ridiculous first round leaders um, out of nowhere, seemingly. So I would say that. And then I know that Sia always loves to jump into the Discord and put his um, his plays in for Wind Daily Sports. And if you've missed it, jump onto my Twitter at the moment because the Wind Daily promo at the moment is like stupidly good. You're saving $500 on our annual membership. It's $199 for a full year at the moment. So less than $4 a week. And believe me when I say that you will make that in one week on our golf tips because you just hit a winner and then you've already paid your annual sub annual sub for a year. So jump across to my Twitter page and you'll get access to that promo. It's an absolute no-brainer. Um, it does end at midnight on Saturday Eastern time. So you've only got a couple of days to get that $199 deal Absolute no-brainer. No there you have it. Get on, sign up, get that deal, make some money, good luck, and of course, sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.